Hey folks, thanks for checking out Missio Church in Niner, Iowa. You are listening to audio recorded at our Sunday morning service. If you'd like any more information on the gospel or would like to learn more about Missio Church, you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com backslash Missio Mount Air. Uh, it's good to see you all this morning. Uh, our text this morning is Psalm 32. And it'll be up on your screen for you as uh, I'll uh, read it out here. Uh, Psalm 32 of David, a mascal. Blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against them, and in whose spirit is no deceit. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Therefore, let all the faithful pray to you while you may be found. Surely the rising of the mighty waters will not reach them. You are my hiding place. You will protect me from trouble and surround me with songs of deliverance. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my loving eye upon you. Do not be like the horse or the mule, which has no understanding and must be curbed with bit and bridle, or they will not stay near you. Many are the sorrows of the wicked, but the Lord's unfailing love surrounds the one who trusts in him. Rejoice in the Lord and be glad, you righteous, seeing all you who are upright in heart. When uh, Darren asked me if I could uh, preach this Sunday, I wasn't really thinking about the time of year that it would be. Yesterday, he, uh, he asked me how I, how I was doing, how I was going, and he kind of knew what I was dealing with. Uh, for those of you that don't know, March is calving season, and uh, usually I, I pick March for calving because it's, you know, spring is on the way, it's, it's nice out, and we have had the worst week of winter <laughs> coming back to us in March that, uh, that I, I can remember in a long time, and uh, I think uh, since Wednesday I've had six calves and dealing with the mud and the snow and the cold and the wind, it's been a challenge to keep them all alive. Uh, and so I told Darren, I said, this was probably a, one of the worst weeks I could have had to try and focus on a sermon. <laughs> but... Uh, I said, I'll have something to say, and maybe it'll be intelligible. Uh, And so now that I've lowered all your expectations, we can get into our text today. Uh, Here we see this is a mascal of David, and uh, scholars are not sure what mascal means. Its exact meaning isn't isn't, uh, translated exactly. It may have been lost to history, but there is enough evidence to suggest that it's a, an idea of wisdom or teaching, or it also could be a term important to uh, musical performance. Uh, 
as many of the psalms were meant to be sung back to God. And David is, comp- is uh, credited as the composer of the psalm. And while many of the psalms are tied to uh, certain points in David's life, uh, this psalm isn't given enough specific specifics to determine when that might have been. But many scholars believe that this psalm is a direct response to Psalm 51, in which David uh, composed after his affair with Bathsheba. If you uh, look at Psalm 51, you will see that David is begging for mercy, asking for cleansing of sin, and confessing his transgressions. Many of these same themes are present here in Psalm 32, where David declares in the first two verses, Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. Uh, These first two verses are actually a summary of the entire psalm. And this is uh, kind of the style of how Hebrew poetry was written back then. Uh, Today, we would make our summary at the end, but instead, the summary is at the beginning, and then David uses the rest of the psalm to explain why this summary is true. Because in uh, verse verse 3, we see what happens to David when he holds on to a sin and doesn't confess his transgressions. For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. Have you ever felt that way? Have you ever felt like your bones were wasting away? And it's not just because we're all getting older. Or have you ever felt like your strength was dried up? Have you ever held on to sin so tightly that it feels like your insides were on fire? Or have you ever felt just bad and miserable for so long that you grew accustomed to the misery? It becomes such a part of your life that you don't even realize it should be that way. This leads us to our main point today. Holding on to sin is foolish. For one thing, it is foolish to hold on to sin because God sees all things. He knows what is in our hearts. Everything seen and unseen is laid out plainly before him. We may think that we are fooling ourselves by saying, this one area of my life belongs to me, or As long as I go to church on Sunday, God won't notice what I do the rest of the week. It's also foolish because we have a great and merciful God, one who will offer us forgiveness if we would only confess our sins to him. There may be many reasons why we hold on to our sin. One reason may be selfish pride. We hold on to our sin because we say, I've got this. I can do this on my own. I don't need any help here. This is mine. I'll keep it to myself. Another reason may be that we've made our sin into a trivial ordeal. We say to ourselves, this is just a minor sin. It's not important. God probably doesn't even care about a sin so insignificant as this. 
Or another reason might be that we are reserving sin for ourselves. We refuse to give up on certain sins because we enjoy it. I'm willing to be a Christian in 99% of my life, but I'm not willing to give up that 1%. That 1% is fun, and even though, it, even though that 1% leads to destruction, this isn't like a final exam where a 99% gets you an A. No, rather, this is pass or fail, and only 100% effort will pass because we are being measured against a holy, righteous, perfect God. And the reality is that uh, not only is 100% unachievable, but so is 99%. In fact, it's much more likely that we are 99% failing and only 1% passing. Therefore, sin is not something we should hold on to. When we hold on to our sin for whatever reason, we carry around something that is not good for us. <clears throat> On the farm, one of the consequences of uh, keeping animals throughout the winter is they like to uh, congregate inside. And uh, so I have sheds and barns that the animals can stand in to seek shelter. And one of the other consequences of having animals is they produce a lot of manure. And they often aren't very considerate as to where they make their deposits. Uh, a lot of people think that pigs are dirty animals, but they're not. Pigs make a bed, and they sleep in their bed, and when they have to go relieve themselves, they'll go outside, or at least another corner of the pen, so that way they don't soil the place where they sleep. The cattle, on the other hand, are disgusting, inconsiderate animals. <laughs> Many times throughout the winter, I will provide them bedding so they have nice, dry, fluffy surface to lay down on. Now, you would think they would understand this location should be kept clean and dry, right? Nope. When they need to go, they just go. Wherever it is they might be, in, in, that which includes right on top of the nice clean bedding. And there are probably some more analogies I could make between sin and, and uh, soiling ourselves, but <laughs> my, uh, my point was this. <laughs> could go on and on. But uh, after a long winter, my barn is full of manure. And I know that if I don't clean out that barn, the manure will pile up and up and up, and eventually my barn will be full of manure and completely unusable for its intended purpose. So for me to keep my barn functioning as a clean, useful structure, I need to clean out the manure on a regular basis. The same is true for sin. We might manage to live functionally for a while, but the more we sin, the less useful we are to ourselves and the less functional we are as a temple for the Holy Spirit. There is no need to live with that misery. There is no need to get accustomed to that feeling. There is no need to keep manure inside. Because here's the ultimate point. When you hold on to sin, you deprive Jesus of his sacrifice on the cross. Jesus was beaten for your sin. Jesus was flogged for your sin. He was spit upon and ridiculed for your sin. And finally, he was hung on a cross to die for your sin. 
When you hold on to sin, you are telling Jesus you don't need his help. That what he did wasn't required because your sin belongs to you and you aren't willing to let it go. Do not keep from him what he has paid so dearly to acquire. So what should we do? Just as the psalmist says in verse five, I acknowledge my sin to you. I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. And you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Confess your sins to the Lord. He is offering you the free gift of forgiveness if you will only give your sins to him. Now we aren't Catholic and we don't require that you go into a booth with uh, Darren or Jim hidden behind a veil so you can tell them about the time you stole a candy bar from Casey's when you were eight years old. I didn't do that. That was just a... Uh, there is... There is no special ceremony. All it takes is open honesty with God. He already knows your heart, therefore he already knows your sin. This isn't a revealing, this isn't like revealing a shocking secret to God. We do not fool God by keeping our sin to ourselves. As it says in 1 John 1, 9 through 10, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar, and his word is not in us. If we claim to not have sinned, we make God a liar. That's a heavy statement. Because he knows our hearts and he knows we have sinned. God knows the truth about us. We must confess and ask forgiveness. We cannot just speak the words, but we must earnestly mean them. I'm sure in your house, if you have uh, young kids, that your kids probably always get along and that nobody ever fights, nobody ever provokes anyone, right? <clears throat> it's probably only in my house that uh, my kids sometimes, most of the time, all the time, <laughs> torment each other. And so one of the things I do as a parent is I tell them, hey, that was uncalled for. You need to apologize to your brother. And what they'll do is they'll turn very quickly and they'll say, sorry. <laughs> now, was he really sorry? Probably not. <laughs> Probably more sorry that he got caught than having a genuine feeling to seek forgiveness from his brother. We cannot offer shallow apologies for our sin. There is great power in admitting that we are the problem. Saying to the Lord, look, I know I'm the problem here. That can be difficult, right? It's difficult admitting when we have a problem and the problem is the person in the mirror. It's easy to blame someone else for our problems. It's not easy to humble ourselves and take responsibility for our condition. So how should we confess our sins? David tells us in the next verse. Therefore, let everyone who is godly offer prayer to you at a time when you may be found. Surely in the rush of great waters, they shall not reach him. Confess and be forgiven. 
Pray earnestly to God that your sins might be forgiven and your iniquities will be covered. Don't wait. Confess before it is too late. Ask forgiveness now when you may be found, not when there is a rush of great waters, when life is rushing around you. Now that can be metaphorical, but can also be literal. Don't wait until you're drowning in sin to bring your confessions to him. Or literally, don't wait until you're drowning in water and your life is ending and the time has come and it's too late for your pleas to reach him. Once you've confessed your sin, once you give your iniquities to God, then we see in verse seven that we can be reconciled to God. You are a hiding place for me. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with shouts of deliverance. We can rest in God. He is our hiding place. He will preserve us. When we have unconfessed sin, we forgo the protection the Lord is offering us. It will not go well for us if we stand alone without God's protection. We are weak, fragile creatures. As we've been talking about in Genesis, we are created from dust, and to dust we shall return. Not so with the Lord. His foundations are eternal. What he preserves will never crumble, never rust, never fade. His dwelling place will never fail and never fall. We must take refuge there, not in ourselves. Now in the next two verses, it changes from David speaking to God and now God is speaking directly to David and to us. In verse eight, he says, God says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. Be not like a horse or mule without understanding, which must be curbed with bit and bridle, or it will not stay near you. We need guidance. We need a steady hand upon us to steer us away from sin. As long as we reside in these bodies of flesh, sin will always be with us. One day we will be given bodies that are not made of this sinful flesh, but we'll be made new and sin will be no more. But until that day comes, we must be vigilant and lean on God for strength. Sin has a way of seeming fun until reality, the reality of sin sets in. We, uh, we once had a miniature pony and the pasture lot where he was, that he was in was uh, running short on grass. And since there was plenty of grass in the yard, I let him out to eat some of that grass. And a lot of the time I'd put a halter on him and stake him in a part of the yard so he could eat all the grass that was around him. Uh, But for once I thought, you know, this is his home. There's all kinds of grass here. He'll just stay in the yard close by. He won't go anywhere. It'll be great. We'll just have a pony that wanders the yard. Well, that didn't go as planned. I was off doing some other work, and I got a call from the sheriff's office that a pony had been spotted on the highway. 
and they wanted to know if it was mine. <clears throat> this pony had gone half a mile north, a mile west, crossed over the highway, and was running down a dirt road before the neighbor, my neighbor on the highway, finally caught him and took him to their house. <clears throat> now, when I last saw this pony in the yard, he had water and all the grass he could possibly eat. And was he satisfied with that? No, of course not. He sought more, but he went without a plan. He went without thinking. He may have ended up on, on the dirt road without water, with only weeds and brambles and thistles to eat. Or worst case scenario, he gets hit on the highway. We are often like that pony. God gives us good things. We have ample food and water, but we aren't satisfied. We take our own path. We seek our own glory. We reject the things of God and seek things of this world without a plan, not realizing it until it's too late that we ran headfirst into thistles and brambles. So do not be like a horse or mule without understanding. Finally, the psalmist says, many are the sorrows of the wicked, but steadfast love surrounds the one who trusts in the Lord. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, O righteous. Shout for joy, all you upright in heart. Amen. We should rejoice knowing that we have a loving, merciful God who takes away our sin, who sent his only son to die on a cross so that we may be forgiven. And he takes away the sins of those who believe in him. So the question is, do you have unconfessed sin? If so, confess and be reconciled. Don't delay. Don't wait until the world is crashing down upon you. Turn and rejoice in the Lord. Lay your burdens on the cross and find the true joy of a restored relationship with a holy and loving God. Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity and in whose spirit there is no deceit. Will you pray with me? Father, we confess our sins to you. We offer them up. We give them, we give them eagerly to you, not holding on, not holding back. They do us no good, Lord. You have paid the price for them. You take them from us and robe us in beautiful clothes of righteousness. I thank you, Lord, that you are a God who, who seeks the lost, that you came to this world not to, not to seek the righteous, but to seek those who need you so desperately. 
that we all may find joy in you when we confess our sins we find freedom from sin we find peace we will find joy in a loving God holy and righteous desiring to seek out those who so desperately need him we thank you for this Lord We lift up your name in Jesus' name, amen.